Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I care to expand on that. Gosh, woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, this is your host, Kamiar Marabian of the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by Crimson and Cream Machine, powered by SB Nation of Vox Media. You guys can find our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere where you can get a podcast, you can find it. So when you do find it, just give us a rate and review, and we'll appreciate all of it. It makes it easier to find for everybody else. But anyways, today I was actually joined by Demetric Warren for you know a little segment on the podcast, and we just decided to let it go and just make it the whole podcast. So that's what we'll be hearing for the rest of the podcast. I do have a notice that a little bit later in the podcast, the audio does get a little bit light, so I've tried to quote that as much as possible, but you guys will be hearing Demetric Warren right after a break from our sponsors. All right, guys, today we're joined by Demetric Warren. He is a massive guru as far as recruiting, football knowledge, football coach. Thank you for joining us today, Demetric. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so we were just talking beforehand, and we're just watching some news. Not a lot on, but talking about football, camp starts this weekend. And so what are your what are your overall thoughts about college football this year regarding maybe some sleepers, um, maybe the best in the ma- nation, maybe some guys that you might be high on that we're just waiting for, like dark horses? Well, you know, the overall landscape of college football is going to be interesting this year. You know, you got Clemson coming back, um, who, who won the national championship this past year. They lost a lot on defense, but they still have a very – talented offense, and they, and, and, and they recruited well, so they'll have some plug-and-play guys. Uh, so they, they're the king of the hill right now, and mm-hmm. you don't know how much they're going to get tested in ACC. Right. Um, and then you still have Alabama, um, who, 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 of course, a Nick Saban-led team, Alabama is always going to be in contention for the playoff in the national championship. Outside of those two, now – you know, people begin to wonder, will the Big 12 be strong enough, have a strong enough conference? Will the winner of the Big 12 come out with no losses or at least mm-hmm. one loss? The Pac-12 has been down a whole lot. Oh, so my goodness, right? With, I, I, mean, the, I mean, seriously, and, and, and I think I may have tweeted this a while ago, they should pay us to watch the Pac-12. <laughs> it, was just, it was just that horrible <laughs> last year. It was one of the worst settings, one of the worst football games in all of college football last year. so, uh, But you, you, you just don't know outside of Washington who else can come out of that conference mm-hmm. and, and possibly sneak in into the fourth spot of the um, of the uh, playoffs. So, and then again, do you, will Georgia be right. able to be a one-loss team or a no-loss team entering to the SEC championship game? LSU is really good this year. Uh, so how will LSU fare? You know, the winner of that game is probably going to win the SEC West, and then you got Texas A&M to sprinkle in there because they got a really good team coming back, a veteran quarterback coming back, and, you know, Jimbo Fisher going to always have his teams ready. And then you got the big you got the big team. Uh, no Urban Meyer. Ryan Day takes over at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Penn State will be in the mix. You got Michigan State who's going to upset somebody every year. And then you got Michigan. Is it Michigan's time? Is it Michigan time? The last two, two to three years, mm-hmm. it's always been 
the time for Michigan now is is this the year for Michigan? So it's going to be an interesting year. I think the two the two people who are leading the pack is Clemson and Alabama. Will Oklahoma's defense will Oklahoma defense make enough stops to get Oklahoma where they need to be? And I think that's the big question with Oklahoma right now. It's not offense. Will they defense make enough stops? To get to where they need to be, so it's some intriguing, intriguing storylines this year. I definitely agree. I mean, like, like you said, the two leaders of the pack and the highest echelon group are Clemson and Alabama. I mean, and then you have a second tier. Who would you put in that second tier of teams? Well, of course, you 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 would put Georgia, Oklahoma in the second tier. You got to put Washington in because they would be the odds-on favorite to win the Pac-12. So you would have Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU in there. Outside of those three teams, I don't know. I, I hadn't studied much Notre Dame. I just don't think Notre Dame. I think I don't think Notre Dame should have made the playoffs last year. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. but you really can't count them out because they play an independent schedule and they play that ACC schedule, in which I don't think they play Clemson this year. So, but I think the second tier, definitely Oklahoma, um, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, Michigan. I think those five teams plus Washington, those six teams will be your second tier teams. And of course, somebody out of those six teams will will, will fill in those other two playoff spots. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned Oklahoma as far as can their defense get better and. So what are your overall impressions of the Sooners this year? I mean, they bring in Jalen Hurts. They also bring in, you know, Alex Grinch, who had a lot of success under Mike Leach. And then maybe, you know, he had a brief stop at Ohio State when he was coaching with Shiano under Urban Meyer. So what are your overall impressions of the Oklahoma Sooners going into 2019? Well, well, I tried to separate a, a honest analysis from being a fan. And I think I'm gonna mix the two now, and I and I and I tell people all the time. I think, I think it's high time in Norman, which means I think this is the year. Wow. I, I do believe the defense will be better. I mean, just think about it. I watched every game last year as with most Oklahoma fans. Schematically, Oklahoma wasn't very good schematically. So if you fix it schematically, they can improve some spots, some some defensive percentage spots if you fix it schematically, okay? Uh, They return quite a bit of players on defense who have some experience. So with that, coupled with a new scheme and just a new vibe, I think they will be better. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be the top 10, top 20 defense, obviously, because – they won't. And in the Big 12, I don't see how that can happen, the way they throw the ball and how, how those high-powered offenses are. But I think they will improve. But let's say they improve They improve 20 to 30 defensive ranking spots, coupled mm-hmm. with the offense that Lincoln Riley has, which is a nightmare for every head coach and defensive coordinator they face. I think this is the year. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I think this is the year. And I think they will be better defensively. And 
Just look. Like you, just look at it. Just yeah, look, definitely. Just look at it. Two years ago, you make one stop, you beat Georgia. You go to the national mm-hmm. championship game, and you and and you and and who knows how that turned out? Last right. year, you spot Alabama twenty points. You bring it back to eleven. Alabama third and long. You just, you just couldn't get a stop to get the ball back when you had the momentum because Alabama was real and you couldn't get the ball back. So basically the last two years, just make one stop. Mm-hmm. Just make one stop. Oklahoma could possibly have been in the national championship games both years, and who knows how they go. So right. if they just improve on defense a little, coupled with Lincoln's offensive prowess, who knows how this season will turn out. I think it's high time and normal. And do you think that part of the issue is, not just schematically, but under the previous regime under Mike Stoops, that they switched up their defensive philosophy several times in a matter of like four or five years to where they were never really teaching kids into a system. It seemed like they were changing schematically every year to fit what the Big 12 was going to be like, and they can never really grow into a system like a Gary Patterson would or a John Haycock would. Do you think that kind of inhibited some of the defensive players' abilities and their comfort, really, in playing defense? I, I completely agree with what you just said. Uh, you just you just never knew what what you was going to get when they take, took the field. I think the only sure thing that we saw that we knew Oklahoma was going to play, they were going to rush three and drop eight, which I still can't figure that out. <laughs> How you do that that many times during the course of a game, I, I know you do it sometimes. But in the Big 12, where everybody's going to play, going to have a good quarterback, and, and, you, and your defensive line is kind of average, rushing three and dropping, they killed them. Oh, definitely. That's the only thing you knew they was going to run consistently on defense, and it consistently didn't work. So now, um, and, and to couple with that, and, and I think the world of Bob Stoops, I think he's one of the best college coaches you know, to, to stand on the sideline. But towards the end of his regime, they kind of tailed off from recruiting some. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could see there were some guys out there who was, who was out of place. And you begin to wonder, how, how's that guy there? That, that guy, you know, he, you know. So they kind of tailed off in recruiting plus with a scheme that changed year to year, sometimes week to week. It was just a bad cocktail for a defense and, they, the, those kids were put into a bad situation. So I think now with Grinch coming in, there'll be more consistency. And 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 from what I'm hearing, the the you know the kids are excited. It's it's simplified. They flying around, and you know they are expecting to be better. Not just the coaches and the fans, but the kids are expecting to be better. So you know that you know hopefully it'll work out that way. Right, and you mentioned. A second ago, that it kind of the recruiting, especially on the defensive side of the ball, really kind of tailed off toward the end of Bob Stoops' career, and definitely toward the end of Mike Stoops. Um, you know the kids really well. You know the recruiting world really well, and you should know programs really well, especially ones you follow closely. And how, in your eyes, has Oklahoma as a program kind of transcended or changed from the Bob Stoops era to the Lincoln Riley era, as far as day-to-day operations or even just recruiting in general? Well. The recruiting Lincoln is a is a recruiting genius. Lincoln loves recruiting. Bob was a good recruiter, but again, towards the end, it tailed off some. Bob was more of a CEO type. 
Lincoln mm-hmm. is a is is a finisher. He his hands on the pulse. If you're going to recruit at a high level, the head coach has to be a finisher. Finisher. I don't care how much the position coach or a GA or a recruiting guy in the office talk. When that kid sit down in the head coach's office, that head coach has to finish. That head coach has to reel that kid in. That's who that kid is going to play for. The attitude of that team, the direction of that team is reflective not in the position coach, but in the head coach. So the head coach has to be a finisher. Nick Saban is a finisher. Dabo Sweeney is a finisher. Jimbo Fisher is your successful coaches. Urban Meyer is a finisher. That's why those guys always have really good recruiting classes because, because, again, I don't care how much they communicate with the other guys on the staff. When that kid and that parent go sit in that office, that coach compels that kid and that parent, sign, sign here, sign on that dotted line to play here. And so that's that that's the ability Lincoln Riley had. Uh now I will tell you this, and and a lot of Oklahoma fans and a lot of Texas fans won't admit this, but what I'm gonna tell you is the truth. Texas A and M going to the SEC hurt Oklahoma's recruiting recruiting and it hurt Texas recruiting. Because before Texas A and M went to the SEC, Texas A and M was a was third or fourth rate team in the Big Twelve. Right. Kids were not beating down doors to go to Texas A and M. Now, did Texas A and M get good players? Absolutely they did. Yeah, they did have good players. But the majority of the kids in the state of Texas, it was a OU Texas battle for years. When Texas A and M moved to the SEC, it absolutely threw the biggest monkey wrench in Oklahoma's mm-hmm. recruit and Texas recruit. Because now a lot of those kids want to play in the SEC West, the toughest toughest division, and in the toughest conference in college football. So it hurts Oklahoma. A lot of kids that's on A&M roster would be on Oklahoma's roster. They have some really good players. They would be on Oklahoma, especially defensive guys. Especially defensive guys would be at Oklahoma. But Texas A&M is in the SEC West. Those kids are going to Texas A&M, coupled with the fact that Texas A&M has some really good um, facilities and Texas A&M have been competitive in the SEC West. It hurts them. So now Oklahoma has to go out to California. They got to go to Missouri. They got to come over into the SEC state. They got to go a lot of other different places to find kids. Now Oklahoma has recruited nationally over the years pretty well, but now it's a must because – a lot of those top kids in Texas are going to Texas A&M to play in the SEC West. And so mm-hmm. I think towards the end of Bob's tenure, I think they realized that. I don't know how well they executed because they were still relying on a lot of Texas kids, but it wasn't the top-tier Texas kids they were getting. And so they still was fixated on Texas and the players weren't there, and they were taking kids who yelled they're from Texas, but they're not the top-tier guys. So now Lincoln understands the landscape of recruiting really, really well. So now they're having to go across the country 
to get guys because, again, agree or disagree, there are a lot of kids in the state of Texas who's going to go to Texas and them because they got great facilities and they play against the Alabama's LSU every year and they play in the toughest conference in, in the nation. And, and hey, kids are being sold. If you play in the SEC, you go to the NFL and, and the numbers back it up. So, But, again, Lincoln them have adjusted really well. They're doing a really good job. They're getting some good players in, and they're going to compete for the playoffs in that championship area. Oh, and I, and I completely agree that, I mean, that Houston area for OU was always tough to recruit, especially with Texas before the A&M switched to the SEC. And now A&M goes to the SEC, and that Houston area became so difficult to recruit. And so like it, like the a- that West Texas, or not West, East Texas, Houston, Louisiana was already Absolutely. tough to recruit. And now that you add A&M going to the SEC, and then the Big 12 talks about expanding and adding Houston, and everybody's saying, what are you doing? Right. It's it's in it's intriguing and I mean Lincoln Wright, like you said he is a closer especially for players he wants on offense one hundred percent Spencer Rattler was the guy he wants he gets a Brock Vandergriff for twenty twenty one and I know you're on the committee for Under Under Armour All American game and I know Spencer Rattler played in the Army All American game but I know you know recruits what kind of talent is Spencer Rattler coming into Oklahoma and Norman. Well, well, let's 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 back up a little bit. He was committed to the Under Armour game. We mm-hmm. invited him first, and he flipped on me. So I ain't gonna <laughs> hold it against him, but he did flip on me. Kind of broke my heart a little bit, but he did flip. <laughs> nevertheless, Spencer Rattler is an uber talented kid. Uh, he's very intelligent. That quarterback has a live arm, very athletic kid. He has moxie. He he when he walks on the field. He, He's confident, everybody around him confident that he can get the job done. He's a, he's a leader. And it's going to be hard to keep him off the field this year. Uh, I, I have no inside information on that, but he is the type kid that, that's going to come in no matter who wins the starting job. He's going to always be in the back of your mind and say, hey, this guy needs some steps because he's just that good. He's not the kid to come in and say, yeah, he's automatic red shirt. Uh, put a red shirt on him. Let him learn for you. He's not that type kid. He's an instant impact type kid. So whether Jalen wins the starting job or whether he wins it, but let's say he doesn't win it, I don't think he's the type that you put on the shelf and say, well, he needs a year to to learn and learn the playbook and, and you know, we're going to take it slow with him. He's an instant impact type kid. So – Lincoln has a tough decision to make on who's the starting quarterback um, is going to be for Oklahoma because Jalen Hurst coming in, Jalen Hurst can flat out play, and then Spencer Rattler coming in, he can flat out play. So one thing is for sure, whoever tried out on that field the first game, Lincoln uh, will have done his due diligence and made the right decision. Number two, sooner Lane can be assured that a really good quarterback will be taking snaps at OU this year. So the quarterback position is is is, is sewn, will be sewn up for years with Spencer Rowland and also Brock Vandergriff uh, uh, potentially coming in as committed. So Lincoln knows his quarterback. And this is my next question because you brought up a great point is, I mean, Spencer Rattler, the guy can spin it. He's accurate. He's got the arm strength. He's got the awareness, and he does have command of, of a pocket and of you know just like a, qu- a quarterback you would want. And Jalen Hurts, um, by all means, he is decorated. 
He's been in some tough situations. He's He came in, stole to Tagovailoa's Heisman moment in the second half of a SEC title game, and he's definitely war-torn, and he is you know disrespected through all of his teammates. Could you see a situation where, let's say Jalen Hurts is named the starter, but let's say maybe he gets dinged up during the year, and it's possible Spencer Rattler takes his place and makes himself the starter due to injury, kind of like Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. Well, I'll say this. I I hope whoever becomes the starter don't get dinged up. But for the sake of for the sake of this conversation, all that's possible. If it's Jalen or it's Spencer, or maybe somebody else on the roster, because uh, it, it's a couple other good quarterbacks mm-hmm. on the roster. Lincoln has recruited well. Who whomever is taking snaps. And Oklahoma will be a really good quarterback. We'll be able to run Lincoln Riley's offense. And so here, here's what frustrates me, and, and I'm going to talk about Jalen for, for a minute. Mm-hmm. Of course, the college football world was absolutely upset that Jalen chose to come to Oklahoma. Now, I got a couple of buddies that I can verify this with you. I told a couple of buddies at the beginning, at, at like the second or third game of the season last year that Jalen Hurts would wind up at Oklahoma. I used the just the reason. I, I said, he, he'll wind up at Oklahoma. No way. Yeah, yeah he will. From Texas, who better, who, who better to play for as a quarterback than Lincoln Riley? He's not going to another SEC school. He's not going to go to Texas because we knew Sam Ellinger was coming back. He wasn't going to end them, so who else he going to go to? And then what really pushed it over there is Tyler Murray, wins the Heisman, and Lee. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's a perfect fit. Now, number two, Taylor Hurst was a really good quarterback at Alabama. People tend to forget that. Oh, he can't do this. He can't do that. Jalen Hurst was in, high, in the Heisman conversation his years at Alabama. As a freshman, he was in the Heisman conversation. As a freshman, he led Alabama to the next championship. They lost. As a sophomore, they went back. And he got benched at halftime of the game. Jalen Hurst has a decorated career at Alabama. So he leaves and go to Oklahoma. All of a sudden, now Jalen Hurst can't compete long. I've heard it all. He can't compete short pass. He can't read defenses. He can't, he can't complete long pass. But when he was at Alabama, he could do all that. And what I figured out was, y'all mad that Lincoln Riley got another good quarterback that, he, that he's potentially going to turn into a Heisman candidate. You're mad. You don't want Oklahoma back in the playoffs. You don't want Jalen Hurst to succeed. When Jalen Hurst was the starting quarterback at Alabama, he couldn't do no wrong. When he transferred, oh, he this, he this, he that. He came into the game in the SEC championship game against Georgia and saved the day because two attack Tagliavoe was struggling bad, and he got hurt. Jalen comes in, saved the day. They beat, they beat um, Georgia and go to uh, they beat Georgia and and gets into the playoffs. Two attack Tagliavoe becomes a starter, but Jalen Hurst played exceptionally well in that game. Jalen Hurst can play quarterback. If he couldn't play quarterback, he wouldn't be at Oklahoma. And so that's the that's the question, isn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. So what frustrates me simply is this. How is it he was so good at Alabama, but when he leaves, he's so bad? Get out of here. He just don't want Lincoln to get his hands on him. Too late. You got him now. He's going to show you he can play. Jalen Hurst can make the throws. Jalen Hurst is an athletic quarterback. Jalen Hurst is an intelligent quarterback. And he's going to, if he's named the starter, he's going to thrive in Lincoln Riley's offense. You can write it down. It's the same thing we heard about Kyler Murray. Oh, mm-hmm. he can't do this. He's too short. He's this. He didn't do well at A&M. What happened? Playoffs, Heisman, first round pick. First pick of the first pick in the draft. In the and that's discussion. it's the same. Like you said, it's the same scenario. I mean, Kyler. People say, oh, I think they pulled a random coach when before Kyler um, was officially took a snap, but he was named starter. And a coach, a random Big Twelve coach, said, oh, you know, he's not much of a passer. And then. The, the idea was that you haven't people hadn't seen Kyler Murray complete a pass since when he was a freshman at A and M, and then people come and talk about Jalen Hurts, and they haven't seen a large sample size of him for two years, really. And you have no idea. Like, he, Jalen Hurts is a self determined, self motivated man. He's the son of a football coach. He's from Texas. It's in his blood. People don't think he maybe like decided to get better over his next couple of years. And then you couple that with his performance at Alabama. You couple that, again, with Lincoln Riley, who he is going to work you really, really hard. He is a quarterback offensive guru, and his offense makes it wide open. And I think the main problem for people is that, oh, Jalen Hurts, all he had to do at Alabama was uh, you know, read some checkdowns and play action and hand the ball off. And now he might be throwing games where he might be throwing the ball 40 times. And I just don't understand the narrative that, oh, he cannot work in Lincoln Riley's system because he might have to throw the ball 35 times a game. I can explain it to you. Two reasons. Two reasons that narrative exists. Number one, Lincoln Riley is doing something that, according to, according to people who watch college football and pay attention to rosters and transfers, he's doing something that shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't be done. He's taking transfers and turning them into All-Americans and Heisman Trophy winners. When a quarterback transfer, when a kid transfer, it simply means that kid couldn't cut it and that kid can't play, according to stereotypes. Well, Baker Mayfield left Texas Tech. Tyler Murray left Texas A&M. Now Jalen Hurts leaving Alabama. You're not supposed to succeed if you transfer in college football. You're not supposed to succeed. They're going to Oklahoma and succeed. Number two, and you use some descriptions about Jalen Hurts, and they said the same thing about Kyler Murray. You listen to me good. A lot of the descriptions that are used when talking about black quarterbacks points to the fact that there's still a mindset that black quarterbacks are smart, that they can't do certain things. Oh, well, he played in this system and he just had, you know, they're going to use his athleticism and he's just going to have to do a lot of check down. That's basically saying the kid is dumb. That's basically what it is. The mindset that you have towards black quarterbacks still have, haven't changed since the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. They are accepted because it's more, but the mindset of people when it comes to evaluating them still hasn't changed. 
it's almost like they are punished for being athletic. If, if, if you take a black quarterback that's athletic, the description of that quarterback is always going to point to the fact, well, he's just not that smart, but they just use his athleticism, and he'll be able to escape with his speed. He'll be able to check down. He'll be able to dump the ball into the flat to the running back. You know, they, they have to simplify the offense. All of those things point to the fact that they feel like the kid isn't smart. So when you're listening to the evaluations of them, that's what a lot of that points to. Not the fact that this kid can flat out play. This kid knows this playbook. This kid is a winner. This kid is a competitor. This same thing Lamar Jackson. And what did he do? Took Baltimore to the playoffs this year. Mm Mm-hmm. So you have to listen to what they're saying, and it all points to the same thing. All I can say, what Lincoln did with Tyler Murray, what Lincoln did with Baker Mayfield, and what Lincoln is going to do with Jalen Hurts, is what Al Davis famously said, just win, baby. That's what he's going to do with him. Don't win. And that makes a lot of people mad. So, speaking of winning, because Oklahoma's won four straight Big 12 titles, and is they've gone four? to three out of the last five. I thought it's five. Is it four? It's four. Oh, okay. But well, you, uh, you know they're... what? You know, I'm, I'm telling this year. My bad. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but they have had, they've had gone to the college football playoff three out of four years. I mean, in Lincoln Riley's first two years as the main guy. And people just want to focus on who everybody else in the conference as far as Texas, because they just want a sugar bowl. So what's your analysis on, because you know, the media poll came out for the big 12 and they said, Sam Ellinger is the number one quarterback in the big 12. However, Jalen hurts would be the newcomer of the year, but overwhelmingly Oklahoma has been the favorite for the media to, you know, of course place first in the big 12, but a lot of other national media members and circuits believe, you know, my Texas might be there. So, Give me your opinions on maybe Sam Ellinger as a quarterback, and then is Texas really back? Well, you have to think about Texas is big business in college football. One of the richest programs, have a good history. And so when Texas is competitive, college football is good, just like Miami, hopefully. And I don't think Miami ever get back to where they used to be. But there are certain programs in college football, if they're competitive, college football is good. Because Texas is a blue blood of college football. Nevertheless, what what people like something new. So people are tired of Oklahoma winning the Big 12 championship. I'm not. I mean, and we having this conversation 30 years from now, and Oklahoma won the Big 12 championship every year for the next 30 years. I'm happy as I can be. <laughs> But that's but that's the same narrative that people have to write about every year. And so it's repetitive right. and they don't like it. They want something new, they want somebody new. And and in looking, they say, Oh, it's Texas. Texas do have a good team. Sam Ellinger is a is a good quarterback. Texas isn't dethroned in Oklahoma anytime soon, and it's not because I'm an Oklahoma fan. It's because I believe Oklahoma, the program, 
is in a far better place than the program of Texas is. Okay, I, and and yeah, Texas fans say we beat you in the in the in the regular season, but y'all won it in the Big Twelve Championship game. Okay, fine, you split one and one. Okay, gotcha. That 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 football game last year, the, the defensively was. I don't think I've ever seen anything worse than that when when OU played Texas last year. Nevertheless, is Sam Ellinger a good quarterback? Yes, he's a good quarterback. Is Sam Ellinger a Heisman candidate? Nope. Is Sam Ellinger the best quarterback in Big 12? Nope. No, no he's not. Does Sam Ellinger, does he run Texas system well? Yeah, he runs Texas system well. Will Sam Ellinger get Texas to the playoffs this year? Nope. Have you watched Texas play? No. Here's the reason why Texas don't have a run game. Texas struggle at the tailback position. They don't run the ball. You have to run the ball. Mm -hmm. If you don't run the ball effectively from the tailback position, it puts more pressure on your quarterback. And you become almost one-dimensional. Texas has not run the ball well the last couple of years. They didn't do it last year. I don't know how well they're going to run the ball this year. If you think that a team will win a conference and get into the playoffs and compete for a national championship, not running the ball well and running your quarterback, and and, and in some games your quarterback is your lead rusher, it's not happening. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. And Ellinger has had it's, concussion issues because he's been running the ball so much. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, Sam Ellinger is a good is a good football player. Sam Ellinger runs Texas system well, but Texas don't run the ball consistently well from the tailback position. They just don't do it. It makes you one-dimensional. And, and, and yeah. once you limit them, limit, the yards for carry. What 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 will an offensive coordinator do? They begin to throw the ball more. They're gonna throw, and the right. more and the more you put that ball in there, you're gonna be in some trouble. You know, I completely you're agree good. with everything you just said. Yeah. So 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 again, it touched like Texas lost seven, I think seven eight guys on defense. They lost seven eight guys on defense. Their defense was was okay last year. They lost seven to eight guys. Um, they got some holes to fill, especially on the defensive line and, and the linebacker position. So when you're seeing the projection of Texas possibly winning the Big 12 this year and Sam Ellinger being the preseason player of the year and Heisman, I've seen all of that. It's because they want something new. And, and guess what Oklahoma has done since when 99 when Bob Stoops took over up until now? Oklahoma has done a really good job of never giving the media what they want. You want a new champion? You may get one this year, but you ain't going to get it two straight years. Oklahoma has dominated the big tour. This, so yeah, I was media, doing some research on that, the, yeah. Yeah, they've dominated the Big Toys. They they flat they have flat out dominated the Big Toys. And so it's the media hope that they don't want another transfer quarterback to win a high. They don't want Oklahoma. <laughs> they don't want any of that. They they just they're tired of it. They don't want it. 
So now Sam, hey, Sam Elegance the Golden Boy, when he was a baby, he threw up the hook and horn sign, and now he became the quarterback at Texas. And listen, that, that's, a really, that's a really intriguing story. Until the ball spotted and that whistle is blown on Saturday, that story don't mean anything. 100%. So before we get out of here, I'm going to ask you, and I know I already know one of your answers because you just told it to me, but who are your four college football playoff teams as of right now? I will say Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and I just I don't I, I I don't think Ohio State is the same without Urban Meyer. I'm gonna say this is Michigan's year. Wow. I'm a, I'm a, Harbaugh, I'm, huh? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this is Michigan's year. And and I'll always and I'll say this if I'm wrong and this in Michigan year, Harbaugh might as well go back to the NFL. If you can't beat Ohio State this year, you can't finally beat Ohio State this year. Urban Meyerless. You can't beat them this year. Go back to the NFL. You, you ain't gonna beat them. So I'm, right. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say Michigan. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to say because I don't I don't think I don't think anybody in Pac-12. We're gonna get one guy. We're gonna get one team out of ACC. Alabama will be sitting there, but I do think, and I'll say this: I do think Alabama. I do think Alabama's run on national championships and making to the national championship game is slowly but surely coming to an end. I think they got they definitely got enough this year because their receiver core is sick. Their offense is going to be sick, and defensively they got a good player. But I think within the next two or three years, I think their run is coming to an end. Um, and I think Clemson is Clemson is warm. So I, I'll say Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Michigan. That's what I'll say. All right. Well, everybody, this is Demetric Warren. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. And that was Demetric Warren. If you guys don't follow him, you guys can go to his Twitter at Demetric D. Warren. He is one heck of a football coach, one heck of an analyst, and really one of the best followers out there for college football fans. If you're not following him, you need to go follow him. He gives great insight, and he puts out a lot of predictions for 247, and he's just all involved in the college football world. So go give him a follow, and we'll talk a little bit more after the break. Certainly, it's been one of the most fun podcasts I've been a part of just because Demetric is just a very well-respected guy in the college football world. He has a lot of opinions that are valued by me and several others in the community. He knows the kids well. He knows programs really well. And just some things that I thought were pretty interesting and surprising. I mean, he thinks it's Oklahoma's year to win a national title. And, I mean, he, of course, holds Lincoln Riley in high regard and, you know, kind of talked about the Stoopser at the very end. With that all said, uh, we're going to be closing the podcast. It's a little short one, even though it's going to be about 40 minutes long. Um, but man, fall camp starts this weekend. A lot of news will be trickling in for, as of course, I expect Jalen Hurts to be the quarterback and you'll see who's probably battling in camp on the offensive line. And really you'll start to see more things on defense and me and Jack will have a lot more news for you guys in the next podcast in the episode of the Oklahoma breakdown via Crimson and Cream Machine. Uh, but you can follow us on Twitter, go follow at CC Machine, go follow J Larry at J Larry Shields for Jack. Follow me, Kamiam Robian at K Marabian CCM. Uh, just give us a shout out, give us a 
rating and review on iTunes, anywhere else you guys can listen to, and we'll check you guys later.